Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode three of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here with me today. First, I have a few thank yous for my friends. Thank you so much for giving feedback on the first two episodes. It has been really helpful and encouraging to make sure that the podcast is getting lined up with what people really like and what they need. And also thanks so much to those of you who have done the rating thing with the five stars and have written a short review even if it's just one sentence, I like this podcast because X. That really helps the podcast get picked up by the people who need to hear it. And if you submit a review and it doesn't show up right away, that's okay. And that's normal. Apple and the other podcast players, they want to make sure that you're a real person and not a robot. So they actually look at them before they allow them to be posted. In episode two, I talked about my least favorite topic, which is myself, and I shared some of the lessons I've learned about taking responsibility for my responses to the events that have happened in my life, because my response is the one thing that I can control, and my response is going to determine the outcome that I experience. It's exactly the same for you. You and I could have the exact same event happen in our lives, but will likely experience different outcomes because our responses to that event will be different. In this episode, I'm going to share more about what's happened in my life in the past year, most notably throwing a winning lottery ticket in the trash. Now, I think most of us have lotteries around the world. I think there are a few places where they're banned But for the most part, we have lotteries. They're those things where you go and you buy a ticket and then all the money for the tickets supposedly goes into a pot and then one or more people win the lottery and either keep all the money or split the money, however it works out. So can you imagine having that winning lottery ticket in your hand? You're looking at the sign or your phone where the numbers are posted and every single number matches up to the ticket that you have in your hand. And you look at the amount that the lottery is for and it is more than you will ever need to live on. Can you imagine taking that winning lottery ticket, ripping it up, throwing it in the trash and walking away? Well, that is basically what I did 
about a year ago. I would have never imagined that taking 100% responsibility for my life and believing that anything is possible, I never imagined that it could ever feel so good. So let me share a little about how I got to this point. In 2014, my business partner at the time asked me to start a new business. Now, I know that I have what's called the Nehemiah gifting. And if any of you have ever read any part of the Bible, Nehemiah is one of the characters, and he is considered an empire builder. And I know that I have that gifting. I am very comfortable taking nothing and building a business from scratch. And my business partner wanted to use his Native American status with the government. So it's uh, Native Americans, as some of you know, are, are indigenous people. And in the United States, indigenous people have certain rights and the government provides certain incentives and advantages for them to be involved, to be able to have businesses and maybe even do business with the government. So he wanted to be able to use his Native American status and to capitalize on some trends that were coming down the pike or looking ahead in energy efficiency. So at the time, I was not passionate about his Native American status. And while I was passionate about the concept of energy efficiency, I believed it was the future and I liked that part of it, but I wasn't passionate at all about the technical aspects of it, about watts, volts, photocells, diodes, any of that stuff. But I did think it was a great opportunity to fund my future. For a long time, I'd had the vision of supporting social entrepreneurs around the world, traveling to see them, giving them hugs and encouragement, being a listening ear, giving advice when I could if it was needed or wanted. And I'm a big vision board person, so this is something that you'll come to know about me. I really believe and have experienced the power of taking pictures and things that you want and putting them on a board and putting them where you can see them every day or frequently. I have a vision board next to my refrigerator because I don't have to tell you how many times I go to my refrigerator <laughs> every day. <laughs> and on the top right part of this vision board, I still have a donation slip that I received from a group that was teaching school children in the Amazon and they needed a boat. And at the time I could not afford a boat but I had written a dollar amount in the box that was an unthinkable stretch for me to ever be able to give that much at the time. And to this day, it is still on my vision board at the top right corner, closest to the fridge where I can see it. So it's still part of my vision to be able to support people in that way. And as I looked at that piece of paper, I thought, well, Maybe if we start this business, this can happen sooner than later. And the reality is, I can make myself like just about anything. I can talk myself into just about anything if I think it's good for me. I'm not into dieting anymore because I understand the neuroscience of why they don't work long term. But back in the diet days, my gosh, 
this fat-free, sugar-free chocolate protein shake is delicious. (laughs) It wasn't, but I told myself it was. So I'm going to pause here to bridge a cultural gap. So my friends in Africa and many parts of Asia are probably thinking, diet? Is that the word she said? What is she talking about? Well, in the 1990s, as our young nation found its identity, thin became in. So being a thin person. And it was perceived that having a big body was no longer a sign of good health, even though our ancestors, people had come from all over the world and had bigger bodies. For some reason in America, it became bad to have a big body. So since then, that notion has been scientifically proven wrong and society is changing. But in the 1990s and into the 2000s, being skinny was considered, and I'm using air quotes, healthy. Being skinny or thin was considered healthy. So many women in the United States have basically been on diets or some sort of restrictive eating since they were teenagers some of them since before they can even remember. If their moms dieted, they might have started dieting even when they were children. But in most of the world, a larger body is considered a sign of prosperity and good health. And in fact, it's customary for women to go away to be, for lack of a better term, fattened up before their wedding. And This is becoming more and more of a difficult dilemma for some of my women friends, especially in in Africa, because they fall in love with a man, but the parents and grandparents are traditional, and it might be the bride-to-be's parents, or it might be the groom's parents, the husband-to-be's parents, but parents and grandparents are traditional, and they have traditional expectations, and the woman has been exposed to other ways of life and may have a different idea for how she wants to look, dress, carry herself. So guys, if you're in love with a woman and your mother thinks that she should have a bigger body, it would be a really good idea for you to ask the woman you love what she wants. And um, we say in America, and I think it's almost a universal truth at this point, unhappy wife equals unhappy life. (laughs) So happy wife equals happy life. So guys, ask your woman what she wants. So anyway, I was in this generation where fat was bad. So even if it tasted terrible, I could make myself like it. I could just talk myself into liking it. And I did the same thing in other areas of my life, including business. So I did become passionate about my business partner's Native American status. I did become passionate about the technical parts of energy efficiency. I built a company that in the end, we provided high-tech energy efficient solutions such as lighting and generators for U.S. military bases and embassies around the world. And we had done really, really well. The business evolved from When we started, we were replacing old lighting with LED lighting. And then we moved on into new construction on schools, apartment buildings, hotels, automotive dealerships, to our final destination, which was in the federal government contracting space. And you think, well, that sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah, 
I made myself believe it was too. But the truth was that I hated it. Now, hate is a very strong word. So I'll use a more subtle word. word. I loathed it. (laughs) I loathed the culture of people who were always blaming someone else when the wrong materials were delivered. It seemed like no one would take responsibility or take accountability for something. Drove me crazy how everything seemed to be done at the last minute or became an emergency. And then in the federal space, the process was mostly electronic. But if there was an error, your entire business and in many cases, your personal finances were on the hook to the federal government. So the construction space in general was just, it was just not my jam, but I made myself believe that it was. (laughs) It's like, sure, this is a grind, but all business is a grind, right? I mean, that's, that's what I thought at the time. Then one day I got an email about a webinar on something about how to be inspired in your business. And I thought, wow, I could sure use some inspiration. Maybe this is the answer. So I signed up for the webinar, not thinking I'd actually be able to listen to it live because I was never really able to listen to anything live because it always seemed like there was an emergency in business or I was always feeling behind. But that rainy Friday afternoon, the stars aligned. And even though the weather was bad, my Wi-Fi was still working. And I was able to stand in my kitchen looking at my computer and listening live. I did this with the intentions of, okay, I'm going to learn how to be inspired in my business, in this business. And then about halfway through, three words jumped off the slide or the screen at me, and it was multiple income streams. And I can still see the graphic in my memory. It had other things on it too, but those were the words that jumped out. Now, I was no stranger to the value of multiple income streams of, you know, having multiple ways to generate income in your business so that you're not dependent on, you know, just one thing and one thing working well. But for some reason, something in me clicked. And it was a thought that I had never, ever, ever had before. I thought, wow, I wonder if maybe I could take a part of my dissertation and maybe turn it into an ebook and sell it. And then maybe there was something else I could do. And so I began having this vision for this business that, wow, I could actually do something I liked with people I liked now and not wait for the future. You see, I had a goal and a very clear vision of selling that company, the one that I was taking the webinar to be inspired about, on December 31st, 2026 at 1 p.m. I had the price all lined out. I'd figured an amount that after paying taxes would net enough for me to invest in a certain way, and it would... Not only it would fund my future, it would fund my business partner's retirement, but it would also include giving me the ability to fund and help thousands of entrepreneurs around the world, especially those who are helping people lift themselves from poverty with job skills and opportunities. 
I'm pretty big into goal setting, which I talked a little bit about in the last episode and I'll talk more about in the future. And while I was in school this last time in my PhD program, I learned really about the power of not just writing my goals down, but to write out my desires in detail and the power of visualizing the thing that I wanted to actually happen. And I've also become even more acutely aware of my spirit, my internal guidance system. And I had deliberately asked my spirit, is this even possible? Is making this much money by this date even possible? The answer was always yes. And I asked multiple times because it really seemed too good to be true. So eventually, I believe that it was not only possible, but I was absolutely convinced it was going to happen. And my spirit was very clear about the yes. So the farther I got along in the webinar, the bigger my vision about my future and a different type of business became. And now it wasn't clear by any means. At that point, it was more of a feeling it was more, I just felt like I had space in my heart and I felt expanded in my brain like I had headspace. So it wasn't that I could see anything clearly. It was more just a feeling of, wow, there might be something else out there. So the webinar ended and I felt more alive and inspired than I felt in a long time about everything. And nothing changed, though, not immediately. I began a journaling process about my values, what I valued in life, how I wanted to feel when given a choice. And I realized that the reason why I absolutely loathed this business, this business that I created, that I have 100% responsibility for, was that it was completely contrary to my values. I valued solitude, freedom, peace, and I created a business in an industry that was the polar opposite. It was chaotic, completely dependent on me, and rather hateful. And not only had I talked myself into being passionate about it for a really long time, I had also talked myself into thinking that business was just a grind, that there was no other way. And even at that time, considering my values, I couldn't conceive of a business that gave me solitude, freedom, and peace, and people that I really enjoyed working with. So going back to the goal and vision for selling the company, I asked my spirit again, can I do this? And once again, the answer was yes. But then I asked a different question of my spirit. I asked, is this your best for me? The answer was no. There was no hesitation, no pause, an immediate no. You see, it's not always about getting the right answer. Sometimes it's more about asking the right question. Now, I was stepping onto a sidewalk during this few-second dialogue with my spirit. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of clarity on walks. And I can still see the garbage bin that was just in front of me and to my right when 
the image of having this winning lottery ticket in my hand, ripping it up and throwing it in the trash came to me. Okay, I know for sure that I can build this business and sell it on December 31st, 2026 to fund my future. But that's not your best for me. Is there even another way? And these questions, this was tough for me. It was tough for me to take on this truth or to really just take in this concept because I'd been in business for 18 years already and I was already accustomed to business was being hard. It's a grind. I just always thought it was frustrating and you had to deal with people whether you really liked them or enjoyed being with them or not. But over a period of eight days, I got nine confirmations that it was not possible to do something for the money and keep your soul. So I made the decision to talk to my business partner who was basically depending on me and the performance of this business for his retirement. And so it wasn't an easy conversation for me to have. And the way I handled it was I gave him my truth that this business didn't line up with my values. And I didn't take the business away from him. I gave him the choice to find someone else to keep it going if he wanted to, but that it wasn't for me anymore. So basically, I removed myself from the business. And as soon as I made space, both physical space from clearing out files and emotional space in my head by getting that business out of my life, things started happening for the future that I didn't think were going to happen until at least 2026. And many things I, I had not even fathomed before because I didn't really have the headspace for it. Resources and solutions started coming my way, and I began to believe that it was possible to have a business that wasn't a grind. And this was this time last year, and I've not looked back except to say thank you, God, for removing that from my life. Something I never dreamed of is the empowering feeling of taking responsibility for my life. I created it, so I had the power to uncreate it. And so can you. So I'm asking you this question. What do you value in your life? And I don't mean just your friends or family. It could be time with your friends or family. But what feelings do you value? What makes you feel good? What's happening when you're motivated to do something or when you're motivated to do something new? Are there parts of your life where you feel they're polar opposite from those values? Now, I'm not talking about when things get tough because there are always seasons of challenges and stretching in business. But these are important questions for us to ask ourselves and to ask our spirit. It's often not wise to make dramatic decisions overnight, but with small shifts under the guidance of our spirit, we can be intentionally moving in a healthier direction where we can operate in our natural giftings. The first step is asking our spirit, what are those? What are my values? What are my natural giftings? The second is getting quiet. And the third is listening for the answer. And I would love to know what you hear. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.